Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Global Connection. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Anna Sajeki, and today... I am honored to be speaking with two graduate students in the International LLM program at Tel Aviv University, who also happen to be fellows through TAU's Erwin Kotler Institute for Democracy, Human Rights, and Justice. So we have Nergal Gokpinar, uh, who is an attorney from Turkey, who has been a member of the Istanbul Bar since 2019. And we also have joining from Nigeria, Olivia Mbanu, who is a lawyer there with a focus on commercial law. Um, and from what I understand, both of you are focused right now in your studies on um, information technology, AI, IP, privacy, and Olivia specifically technology and finance. So welcome to you both. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here too. Yeah, thank Love you for it. inviting us. Yeah, no, it, it's wonderful. Um, so, uh, as I've mentioned to you, and as you know, the, the podcast is called The Global Connection. And um, so I love speaking with international students. And um, Nurgul, you're from Turkey. Olivia, from you're from Nigeria. Um, so I'd love to open with a question just about something you'd like to share about the country you're from that maybe our, our listeners don't know that much about. Okay, so I'll go first. So um, Nigeria is um, the most um, populous black nation in the world, and it's a very diverse country. We have over 500 languages spoken, but our official language is um, English. That's the official, but we have other um, languages. We have well over 200 different tribes in Nigeria with three major tribes, and we have the best food in the world. Popularly, uh, Nigerian jollof rice. Mm, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, and Nurgul? So I think it's also food because in every region in Turkey, like we have different kind of food and I think it's beautiful. And also uh, we have four seasons and sometimes I say to Israelis like, oh, you can ski in Turkey. Like we have many ski resorts in Turkey and they get surprised because they think like we don't have snow and... I think, yeah. Right, right. Four <laughs> seasons. You can put on some skis. You can swim in the Mediterranean if you want. <laughs> Lots of options. All right. Um, so uh, let's get back to the, the, the countries that you're from. I'd love to hear a little bit about your own journey there into law. Um, so if you could talk about that. But why did you become interested in law and how did you get into law? <laughs> I think like for me, I think um, I think I, I ask a lot of questions and I talk a lot. And when I was young, we said, oh, you talk a lot. You ask too many questions. Just go um, study law. So you always been caught, always talking in court and always asking questions in court. And from when I was young, that was like the only profession I was interested in. I'm just going to be a lawyer since I'm talkative. But funny story, I've never been to the courtroom since like I got called to buy in 2019 because eventually when I did study law, I, I got more interested in, you know, the financial part of law, the corporate commercial transaction, helping people, helping businesses raise money, regulatory compliance, avoid trouble with the government and stuff. So that's basically why I studied law. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I can imagine you probably ask some pretty good questions in that uh, realm funny, of law. In, in, in university, I did a lot of muta mock trial. And I was always in like the litigation department of um, my university faculty. So everybody thought like once I graduate, I'm going to go straight into litigation. And I thought so as well. But when I got my first employment, they were like, oh, this is a corporate commercial law firm. We're not going to put in the litigation department. You don't have a choice. So I didn't have a choice when I started, although I really wanted litigation. But after a while, the whole thing just died down and then okay. there was a new interest. Yeah. Are you liking commercial law? Yeah, it's a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> That's very helpful. That's very helpful. <laughs> Definitely. And you, Nurgel? Um, so, when I was a child, I was thinking I was probably going to be, um, I don't know, an engineer or um, an architect because all my family, they're engineers or doing something about science. And I was, I'm the only lawyer in the family. So, I thought like, uh, I don't know. I, I think I was fascinated by the idea that defending other people's rights and um, just defending human rights. And basically, that's why I wanted to be a lawyer. And I saw I, was, I thought like, oh, lawyers are so cool. And yeah, yeah like I should do this. <laughs> OK, OK. So here you are, two cool people, then you eventually <laughs> become lawyers. Um, I, I do want to, in a moment, talk about the, you know, studying law here in Israel. But before that, it's a small question, but I think it's kind of a big question. I'd love to hear um, in Turkey, in Nigeria right now, what do you think is the most pressing legal issue um, that people are talking about? Uh. Okay, so let me go first. So um, I think right now the most pressing legal issue. We just had an election, okay, not so long ago. I think February, and so there's an election petition in court. Okay. Yeah. So you know, and a new government has been sworn in. But depending on how the election goes, this administration might continue, or it might be the start of a completely new administration. So I think for now, that is the most interesting thing going on. Okay. The election petition, because, you know, it affects the whole country. Okay. But lately, there's been a lot of um, tech, just like the whole world. Yeah. Startup financing, AI, everybody wants to get on the tech buzz in every area. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And Nurgil, I, it might not be the same thing, but I know um, Erdogan was um, recently re-elected too. So would you say it's related to that or something different? Or So I think uh, like in um, every country in Europe and also in Israel, like the in, uh, improvements in tech and AI, I mm -hmm. think uh, also the issues like freedom of speech and uh, how to balance things like freedom of speech, hate speech, and um, like this kind of stuff. Privacy is also in pressing issues in Turkey right now, I think. Okay, okay. It's a global issue in many ways, isn't it? And, and was that what drew you to TAU to do your um, LLM here? Was it really sort of the technology aspect and thinking about technology and rights? Or, or what, what brought you to Tel Aviv University? Um, funny story. Um, I responded to a LinkedIn ad. That was how um, I just saw a post if you're interested in. I was pursuing my postgraduate studies at the time, and I just saw a post if you're interested in um, 
an LLM in Israel just respond to this ad. And I said, Israel, who goes to Israel to study, you know? Because in Nigeria, Israel is not like um, a very popular um, study abroad destination. So Nigeria, if you want to study abroad, you either go to UK, US or Canada. That's like, you know, the way it is. And I was like, and I was just very tired of, I was considering the UK, but I, a lot of my friends were running into each other in the public bus. I said, I don't want to be where everybody is. So I said, okay, let me consider Israel. And then I started researching like on the country, on the school, especially. And I was like, oh, this school, tech school, largest Jewish university in the world, startup nation. I was like, oh, don't mind if I do. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so an ad for the startup nation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Nurgil. So to be honest, Israel in the beginning wasn't also my um, list, but I was also looking for a program in the UK or the US and U some countries in Europe. So I was talking to my dad about it. I, um, I was saying like, I started kind of applying for the LLM programs and he said, like, oh, why don't you consider Israel? I heard like uh, the level of education is so yeah. uh, good in Israel and uh, like they're like respected um, professors and I thought, okay, I will check. And then I checked the website of the uh, of Tel Aviv University and uh, also checked, like, uh, look at videos of Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. And um, I really like the program and the professors are, yeah. like, um, really good here. Mm -hmm. So, and also Tel Aviv is, like, a really nice city yeah. to do an LLM. Uh, I really love the city. Okay. Okay. So you did a bit more research and you're like, yeah, yeah. that's what I want to do. Um, so you heard that level of education is good here. Um, you've basically, you're nearly done the program now. Yeah. So you feel like what you heard <laughs> lines up with your experience, what the courses you've been taking, what you've been learning. I feel like for me, if I'm being 100% honest, it like exceeded my expectation. Because coming here, I didn't know anybody who had studied in Israel before. And I remember I couldn't even, I, didn't, I couldn't tell a lot of people back home that I was coming to study in Israel because like Israel is like a religious destination for us more than, you know. And coming here, I just, I really love the program. It's, it's worth it 100. I love the way the professors teach. And you can always tell the professors are super smart when they teach. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I totally agree. So I think it's really nice that we have both practical courses mm -hmm. and both courses which focus on like uh, more academic yeah. side of the studies. So I really like it because I'm right now but uh, considering um, doing a PhD or and at the same time maybe or after like uh, continue as, uh, work as a lawyer. So it's super nice. Like uh, yeah. I had uh, like courses for these two options and also I took uh, a class from the MBA program also two class uh, actual two classes and it was super nice like when one was was um, venture capital and entrepreneurial mm -hmm. finance and I really liked the uh, looking at the uh, experiencing the business side yeah. of the um, yeah. transactions and like uh, mm -hmm. how things work um, so yeah. yeah I totally agree yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit, so the business side of things, especially the technology side of things, um, as someone who is an in-law, uh, there's so much happening with technology these days. So I can imagine it's a really, really complex issue within law. Yeah. So what are what are some of the big 
things we have to look out for and consider, say, in relation to digital rights and or, or AI? Um, what, what's on your mind when it comes to technology and law? <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> but, but I would say, like, one thing about technology is, like, there's always this buzz. And sometimes um, every... some Someone... I read a post saying, like, oh, we're in the AI bubble now. And every bubble will burst. Because after there's this big noise, this, 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 this. And then after a while, everybody just calms down. And then something else will come. And then something else will take the whole world by storm. And then we'll start hearing, oh, this is going to revolutionize the way we do everything. And it just calms down. I think, like, what is most important in the intersection of law and technology is, like, um, regulation. Like when to regulate, how to regulate, who should be liable, you know, things like that. I think like regulation is one, like when it comes to AI, this is a question everybody's asking. And a few years ago, it was blockchain and cryptocurrency. And a few years ago, it was uh, social media and the impact of, you know, um, sharing of information, um, privacy, data. So all these things, it's just, it's, I think the most important question in the intersection of um, AI, I mean, technology generally and um, technology and law is regulation, in okay. my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Regulation. W would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. And also my research right now, I'm going to focus on that. Uh, yeah. When is the right time to regulate a new technological advancement? So uh, I think like how to regulate and when to regulate mm -hmm. is a really important yeah. question. So yeah. Because okay. like there's an ongoing pay, uh, ongoing race between regulation and yeah. technology, and usually regulation is slower. Always slower. <laughs> right. Yeah. So right. yeah, maybe like uh, regulating a new technology with different uh, like maybe soft laws, mm -hmm. and um, maybe we can uh, find a balance yeah. to have to like even if it's not on the exact like needed time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, you both have a bit of a unique perspective in which you understand a legal system from a different country, and then you've come here, and I'm assuming you're engaging a fair bit with Israeli yeah. law and the yeah. legal system here. Yeah. So when it comes to thinking about regulation in terms of uh, technology, uh, how much of this is like a universal conversation um, where it, it doesn't really matter so much what country you're looking at, and how much of it is like, you need to specifically look at the country, the laws in the country, and, and think about regulations within a, a, a national context. Yeah. Um, I think, like, um, when it comes to, like, regulation of advanced technology, I think one trend I've noticed is that um, most countries are moving to favor technology over keeping, like, the status quo. For example, like AI, you know, it's like the big buzz now, AI this, AI that, you know. And AI is also, you know, I don't want to use the word infringing, but it's disrupting some very established, you know, um, areas of law that is established. And one thing we see that when issues go to court, the court is, doesn't want to say, you know what, AI, don't do that. You know, we're going to clamp down on AI. Because like, oh, no. You will be the one to shift for AI because it's 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 just like the race to the moon. I, I don't want to compare it to something as big as the race to the moon. But, you know, if at the time when the race to the moon was really big, there were other um, existing laws or other existing, um, other, other existing systems, yeah, that the race to the moon was trumping on. Like, oh, we're more interested in the race to the moon than this because this can change the way the whole world, you know, 
interact and stuff. So I think that's one thing specifically uh, when it comes to like regulation. I think when it comes to technology is really depending on country by country. It's very hard to say, okay, this is like a worldwide regulation. I mean, the EU is just like the exception to the rule because the EU likes to do things, you know, um, harmoniously, but mostly it's country by country. But we can see what we can see is like, even though regulations differ, we can see a common trend where countries are moving to favor the advancement of technology over keeping the status quo. Okay. Okay. So there are some overall trends that you see happening across countries, but then um, it's really being considered country by country in terms of the types of regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Only the exception is probably the EU, because uh, yeah. like we see, we saw it as uh, with general data privacy law, mm-hmm. the regulation. Um, yeah, there's like the Brussels effect. Like mm-hmm. even if it was uh, in regulated uh, regulation uh, regulates the U- EU and the member states. Uh, in Tur- even in Turkey, because they have to comply with the the companies who are like dealing with uh, doing business transactions in with member states or like. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the Brussels effect. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> this is basically that. that like, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. They have to comply with the law with the, with the GDPR, and yeah, they have to. Okay. Um, so as you've been here studying Israeli law for you, are there, you know, again, coming from a different context, are there parts of Israeli law that you find really fascinating or surprising? And you're like, oh, that works completely differently from. Well, I I don't know, because do you want to <laughs> Well, we're in the international mm. program, first of all. Okay. We're in the international program, so our program is not like focused on the Israeli law as it were. Okay. We're more focused on the general rule, what is applicable generally. And so I think most of the times we just do like a comparative analysis okay. with Israeli law. and um, Maybe yeah. family law. Family law, it's yeah, so different. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, yeah, family law is extremely different. <laughs> now, now, I feel like generally Israel is a very different society, not just like regulations, but the way you know, the way I don't want to say the way you do your things, but you know, the way the Israelis do their things, it, it's not just the law; it's it's the whole way of life. I think I still find um, the Sabbath very interesting every saturday i forget it's the sabbath and i want to go somewhere like oh, right. I can go. <laughs> right 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 yeah so it's not just the law it's the whole society as it were okay yeah okay. and and do you feel like there's a pretty close connection in general whatever country you're in between the society and the legal system like does the legal system tend to re- reflect pretty closely the the society mm. Okay. <laughs> Another, I'm asking Good big question. questions here. Yeah. Nago, do you want to go? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> so, uh, if I uh, say some things about the Israeli legal system, I think the uh, si- the uh, thing, like the aspect is different. Uh, Israel is a combina- Israeli legal system is a combination of civil and common law. Yeah. So, it's pretty, it was pretty different to like uh, read about it um, because I'm coming from a civil law country and you're coming from a common, common law country. Yeah. And we see the combination of yeah. uh, both laws in Israel. Yeah. 
I think it like interesting. when it comes to like the law reflecting society, I feel like every country has that. But I just feel like Israel is like, boom. Just like, <laughs> you know, just next like level. next level. level because um, Nigeria geographically is a common law country, but it's divided into, I don't want to say divided because it's not official, but there's just this psychological divide of Northern Nigeria and Southern Nigeria. So Northern Nigeria is very... Um, Islamic dominated, like there's a lot of Muslim things. And Southern Nigeria is a combination of both. And Christianity is dominant in Southern Nigeria and a lot of more liberal Muslims than, you know. So in Northern Nigeria, although Nigeria is a common law country, in Northern Nigeria, we have Sharia law. We have a Sharia criminal system for a few petty offenses. We have the Sharia family law. You know, we have the Muslim um just to you know respect them and um in southern nigeria everything we have is civil um, common law so i feel like that's one way that you know there's a little bit of divide but generally nigeria is common law but israel is common law sometimes it's civil law and sometimes it's even jewish law the law of the halakha and i find that very interesting i tell people i'm jewish by halakha I'm a sociological Jew. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Finding the, the shared connection then. Yeah. I just yeah. want to be Jewish by force. <laughs> right. 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 And it's interesting that like, there are still some laws like the land law um, mm-hmm. from Ottoman Empire yeah. at the times. Like the yeah. Ottoman law. It's so interesting. Uh, uh, it's also very strange that Israel does not have a constitution. Mm. It's very interesting. I found it very interesting. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a big conversation these days, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Like I'm so coming from North America. Yeah. Um. So Canadian Constitution is a whole different context for the American Constitution, right? Yeah. That's such a big conversation yeah. where. Um, it felt like it was created so long ago that there's so many blockages to try and change it now, yeah. and so it. it do you have examples of modern day constitutions that have been created? No. No. I feel like every constitution, like off the top of my head, no. Because I feel like every constitution is like an ancient instrument. But the, the, any conversation surrounding constitution is going to be very technical, very tough to have. Because Nigeria, we've tried to amend our constitution so many times. And I told you because we are very diverse, we're very different people. The conversation you know, all this goes to sometimes a stalemate and then they're like, oh, we're going to amend, we're going to have this committee look into the constitution. They bring their recommendations, but they can't adopt it. So because it's very hard, like I'm just saying generally to bring like a very large group of people, a very different group of people in every country under one book mm-hmm. and everybody's trying to have his own right and everybody's trying to have his own duty, his own religion, his own perspective on life. So I feel like because Israel is very diverse, I mean, it's a nation state, but it's a very interesting kind of nation state. It's going to be like definitely one of the hardest conversations you guys can have. Right. Like the Israelis right. can have, yeah. To try and get everybody to agree, to agree. On, one yeah, thing. on one thing. No, it's very hard. Yeah. Um, but you bring up an interesting, like, I, I love hearing about um, the constitution in Nigeria. And so for both of you, do you feel like uh, you bring some unique perspectives and backgrounds um, to the studies that you're doing here right now? Like in conversations with Israeli lawyers or there's probably other international um, students in your program? 
um, like I mostly did commercial law and corporate law in Turkey. So the basic things like pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. How we like draft agreements and how we interpret them and um, negotiate them. So uh, yeah, I think uh, my previous like uh, background like in commercial law and experience uh, working as a lawyer uh, helped me to. Like, Uh, present also my perspective on cases and mm -hmm. yeah, that was yeah i feel like it's just normal when you bring like so many international people um, students together perspectives are um always different especially I, I, this comes to play a lot in them um, discuss contemporary issues in israel and there's just a funny way we sit in class that it just seems like we represent the far left to the far right because they're this classmate reeve Reeve is very um, liberal and there is Oli that sits at the other end of the class that is very extremely conservative and Liv is extremely libra liberal and right. so it just seems like the conversation just flows from the way we sit in class just flows from liberal to conservative every time and, and <laughs> like and yeah and, and we've been sitting like that since when we got here and then we just got to know like in contemporary issues in law people on the left actually have a more conservative view on issues than people on the right so it's just like okay and I'm always sitting very close to the left or sometimes in the middle depending on you know the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such an interesting. So you know, it, it's it's the political sort of beliefs yeah. of individuals, and then it, it, so you mentioned there there are a lot of people from around the world yeah. in the program. Yeah. So how many countries would you say are represented too so, in the program? So Germany, Germany especially, um, yeah. Russia, Ukraine, Nigeria, Turkey, America, is Canada, all? Canada. Yeah. Okay. So okay. seven countries. Okay. Yeah. All right. So do you think, are you planning on global, you know, global peace and human rights? And <laughs> how's that going? <laughs> well, the whole concept of um, global peace and human rights, we, I'm not going to deny, we get it from the um, Iwin Kota program, mm -hmm. which like has been very instrumental in understanding the Israeli society and understanding, you know, the interplay of countries and yeah. I mean, we might be planning, but it, it, it's a lot of work. Sometimes I'm like, are we really, really going to have world peace? You know, it's, it's a lot of work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Lesson, lesson number one, world's peace is going to take a little bit more work. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more work. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's just in a conversation where you want to unify people, it's very important, like, when you want to say, okay, let's have, like, a unifying voice. They're just a threshold. Okay, so is it your opinion that will be the unifying voice? Or is it my opinion that will be the unifying voice? And why should your opinion be what we all agree with? Why shouldn't we agree? And in a world of like a hundred billion people, whatever, with 10,000 religions and 10,000 different societies, it's, it's going to be hard. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, well, I'm not sure about the word piece, but uh, I'm, I think like we can establish start establishing peace by just like um having dialogue like yeah um, yeah, yeah improving it so well dialogue is very very important and honestly that that's part of why i love doing what i'm yeah. doing right now yeah. is opening up those dialogues and I want to thank you both for taking the time to speak with me and good luck with finishing the program. And I know you both have bright careers, um, which you started, but uh, ahead of you too. So thank you so much. Thank you.
This is my dream, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. <laughs>